All right, so today's sermon is titled, The Worrier and the Warrior. We will be continuing through the Gospel of Luke. Luke 12, verses 22 through 34. I will start at Luke 12, 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. As we begin, let's provide some context to where we are, because you see our text starts with the therefore, right? So you have to ask yourself, what is the therefore, therefore? Amen. Jesus has gone from calling out the hypocritical Pharisees to calling out the rich fool. Jesus saw what others could not see about these men. On the outside, it looked great. On the outside, these men looked blessed. Uh, godly examples, even a picture of good success. But both times, he called out their sin of being rich towards everyone else but God. They only focused on the outside and the temporary. Neither of them paid any attention to what was on the inside and the eternal side of reality. The Pharisees, they showed their shallow faith in the way that they flaunted their false spirituality and they looked down on Jesus when he ate without washing his hands. Yes, they looked down on Jesus because he did not wash his hands before he ate. It's crazy. The rich fool shallowly put his faith in his possessions and his storehouses, but we see that these men took care of themselves while ignoring God and his people. And that is what Jesus called out. If you've ever opened up the Bible, then you know from the Old to the New Testament that God likes to call this sin out. He exposes people like this that take care of themselves before taking care of others. Last week, we discussed the man in the crowd that moved Jesus to tell the parable of the rich fool. 
Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This man had his mind on the wrong things. His heart was in the wrong place. He was worried about the wrong things, Jesus pointed out. He was just like the Pharisees in the rich fool. He was concerned with worldly comforts. And that comes from a desire to have a false comfort. A comfort that results in being rich toward men and yourself, but not toward God. And Jesus called it out. Well, in today's text, Jesus will tell us not to worry like this man or like the other men that are worried about the wrong things. The word worry literally means to strangle, to choke. If you're worried about dividing an inheritance or you're worried about all of these worldly cares, your life will be tied up in knots and eventually your spiritual life will experience strangulation. There's real danger that comes from being worried, or the word that we'll use today, anxious about the wrong things. Now, there's some experts, I didn't do the math on this, I didn't do the science, but some experts have pointed out that it takes 60 trillion droplets of, of fog to cover seven city blocks. 60 trillion droplets, seven, cities, uh, seven city blocks of fog, and these, this fog uh, condition can close down airports. It can tie up cities. But if you were to condense all of these droplets of fog, did you know that it could fit into one glass of water? That's a good picture of what worry is all about. You begin with something little, something about the size of a glass of water, and then you begin thinking about it, stressing out about it, being over-concerned, and it's spread out. It's everywhere around you. You're wondering, how is this going to work out? How am I going to do this? How is God going to make this happen? And before long, you can't see straight. You're crashing into things. Now look, the airport is shut down. <laughs> you're not hearing from the Lord. You're not soaring with the Lord because you're not comfortable with him being in the pilot seat anymore. Anxiety leaves you all fogged up. Jesus says, don't let anxiety consume you. Don't let worry strangle you. Don't end up in a fog. Don't be a warrior. A warrior be a warrior. My prayer is that we can get there, saints. That we can get to that place of trusting God to be in the pilot's seat. A place where we can learn how to overcome worry and to do it in Jesus' name, not on our own strength. Yeah. Amen? So we'll answer three questions today. Number one, what does God want the Christian to not do? Verses 22 through 26. Number two, what does God want the Christian to do? Verses 27 through 31. And then our third question that we'll answer, what does God want to do for the Christian? Verses 32 through 34. As for all of you note takers and some of you mental note takers. But let us pray before going further. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for bringing us to this moment. You brought us here for a purpose today. 
You brought us here to praise your name, to be with your people, and to hear your word. And so we ask that you would be with us during this time. We ask that you, and we thank you, we trust that you have already prepared our hearts and our minds, our souls, for the preaching of God's word. Lord, we know that this is two-sided in a way, Lord, where the preacher preaches and those that are here listen, but we know that ultimately it comes down to you. So do the work in our hearts, Lord. May your name be glorified and may your people be edified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. After preaching a message on the importance of being rich towards God, Jesus points out what stops many of us from being rich towards God. And that's the sin of holding on to this world too closely. We're holding on to the world. We won't let it go. Verse 22, he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. First of all, notice that Jesus is addressing his disciples. In the previous verses, he addressed the outsiders on what to do. He didn't come to set himself in uh, in the world as a judge within the imperfect political structures that exist. No, no, no. He, He came to address matters of the heart. He is going to change the world by entering into and transforming a prejudicial heart rather than a judicial court. Amen? We see the command that Jesus gives to all those who have ears to hear. He says, thou shall not be anxious. Doesn't he say that? The the Greek behind this uh, says, do not be merimnate. There's a root from merimnoa. In other words, Jesus is saying, do not be overthinking. Don't be overly concerned. Don't be unnecessarily worried about your life. And that sounds like a crazy message, doesn't it? Especially in 2023, where all we do is worry about our lives. All we do is worry about ourselves. How many times do we check the mirror before we leave the house? How many times did we check the mirror since we got here at church? Okay, I'm talking to somebody. Talking to somebody. The world that Jesus lived in stressed about these things. He listed them. He said, don't be anxious about your well-being, your next meal, your physical needs, your clothing. Again, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? (laughs) Here's a good question. In 2023, do we stress over the same things? What makes you anxious? What's funny is this, most times that this word is used in the Bible, it's used to expose a concern for one's life or cares of their life. The other two times that it's used, it was used in a good way. It was used to point out a Christian's love for his brother. This concern that is being had. So being concerned for someone else is okay by biblical standards. But the moment that we start being overly concerned for ourselves, it's not okay. 
It's, it's almost like God wants us to be much more concerned for others than for ourselves. Imagine preaching a message like this today. Imagine reading the words on this page and telling someone, do not stress about your life. Do not be overly concerned about what you will eat. <laughs> but don't miss the major point. Jesus commands us to not be anxious. And let's look at that command because it's a loving command. Yeah. It's a command that is given to us in love. Anxiety does nothing good for us. It only brings harm. In fact, I read this article. It said, modern medical research has proved that worry breaks down resistance to disease. More than that, it actually diseases the nervous system, particularly that of the digestive organs and of the heart. Add to this the toll and unhappiness of sleepless nights and, sleepless, and, and, and restless days, void of internal sunshine, and you have a glimpse of the work that this monster does in destroying the effectiveness of the human body. If worry does that to the human body, imagine what it does to the body of Christ. Another pastor said, it is plain common sense that worry has no rightful place in the lives of most of us. <laughs> the command to not worry is expressed all throughout Scripture. Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Does it say, do not be anxious about anything, but in some things, go to the Lord in prayer? No, it says, in everything. Let your requests be made known to God. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you had. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you can have everything in this life, everything of this world taken from you, but God promises that he will never leave you. Amen. We have the promise that Christ will never be taken from us. Amen. You could find over 300 verses, one for each day of the year, that remind you that God does not want you to be fearful or anxious. I'm not going to read all 300 of them. You can do that. I encourage you to do that. Read one every day. Anxiety should have no power over a Christian who serves the Almighty God. Amen. Notice that I said should not. Because God mentions it so often in his word because he knows that we're anxious little creatures, aren't we? <laughs> it's, it's like our default, isn't it? That's why he reassures us in verse 23 that life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Jesus points out the reason why we don't need to worry. God will take care of us like he does the ravens. Is that a good enough reason for some of y'all? The, ra the ravens don't stress over not having storehouses or barns or long-term savings or retirement accounts or that dream house that some of us have been stressing over. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, God feeds them. 
God takes care of the ravens. And notice that the ravens, if you read the Old Testament, they're unclean animals. He cares for the unclean, unorganized, underprepared ravens. We're not too much different than these ravens, are we? <laughs> Therefore, we should expect that God would take care of us, and there's no need to worry. Amen. Speaking about all of this, there was a man who was walking down an unfamiliar road one dark, pitch black night. The only thing that he could make out about the road was that he had to be careful where he walked. Because if he stepped the wrong way, he would fall down the hill to his death. Suddenly he lost his footing and began to fall. As he was falling, he started thinking to himself, I'm about to die. And he began throwing his arms around everywhere trying to grab onto anything that he could hold onto. He finally caught grip of a sturdy bush, and he held on for dear life. And it was agonizing to keep on holding on. It was painful. His body became numb. It felt like he held on for dear life for hours. It was in this moment where he couldn't deal with it any longer. He reached a point where he felt too weak to keep on holding on, and he finally let go. He felt his body drop six inches to the bottom of the ditch. Saints, think of all the unnecessary agony that we put ourselves through when we fail to let go sooner. Think of all the unnecessary pain that you go through, my brother, my sister. Think of all of this that you go through for no reason, just because you're worried, holding on for dear life by your own strength, instead of letting go and letting God. Amen? Amen. Again, don't miss the point. Jesus says the birds don't worry, but we do know that they work. They don't just sit around with their mouths open, amen? They don't just have this faith where God is going to chew the food up for them and give it to them. They move in faith. They work with the belief that they'll be taken care of. They operate in this way. These birds don't just sit there with open mouths expecting God to fill them. They work with the grace that God gave them to do so. And here's a deeper truth. Many times worry over the material things in life is rooted in a low understanding of your value before God. We worry so much because we feel like God is not worried about us. We don't understand or believe how much that he loves us and cares for us. Jesus says it best of how much more value are you than the birds. Some of us need to hear that, and it sounds crazy just needing to hear that as human beings, as Christians, but we are more valuable than the birds to God. <laughs> yeah, God takes care of the birds, doesn't he? Your anxiety does you no good. Jesus tells you that you can't add a single hour to your life if you tried. If you tried your hardest, you couldn't add one hour to it. 
And so he pleads with us in verse 24, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Child of the most high God, our father is completely in control and we need to trust him. But first we have to stop worrying so much, which is our first point. Point number one, God does not desire for Christians to be anxious. He goes on in his sermon, verses 27 and 28. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Notice that Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. The lilies are not anxious. The lilies don't have anxiety. God takes care of them. Why are Christians so anxious? You see, we have a problem with not knowing every little detail of God's plan. So we get uncomfortable when we start stressing out. But the problem isn't with God. It's not even in our lack of food or money or clothing. The real issue is within us. I didn't say that. Jesus said it. He says it's because of our lack of faith. Jesus is speaking to the worrier today. Oh, you of little faith. And it hit me like a ton of bricks as I was studying. As I was going to the Lord in prayer before preaching this sermon. I reminded myself every time I went to the Lord, the Bible tells me not to pray if I do not have faith. The Bible tells me not to pray if I don't believe that what I'm asking for, God can and will do. And so I kept reminding myself, even with my little bit of faith, you need to believe this. Whatever you're praying for, you need to believe that God can and will do it. Too many Christians make the mistake of placing their faith in the little materialistic things rather than the almighty powerful God. Amen? Because we do have faith. We just don't always have faith in God. (laughs) You have faith that you're sitting in those chairs and they're going to hold you up. Amen? You have faith when you walked in here today that we were going to start at 11. And glory to God, we started at 11. (laughs) We have faith. We just place it in the wrong thing. God's people have always had this problem. And it always gets exposed as having little faith. The Hebrews were in the wilderness for 40 years. They were there 40 years longer than they needed to because of their little faith. They went through the wilderness. They saw that they had a little bit of food, a little bit of water. God hadn't brought them to Walmart so they could buy more clothes. They had all the same supplies that they came into the wilderness with. And they started looking around at their conditions. Exodus 17, 7, they said this statement, is the Lord with us or not? (laughs) Some of us get to that point, don't we? 
Is the Lord hearing us or not? Is he with us or... Are you in a place in life, wandering, never getting to where God wants to lead you because of your little faith? Instead of riding on a bike and cruising with the Lord, are you stuck on a stationary bike? (laughs) Using the stationary bike as an excuse. Well, it's good for my heart. (laughs) It'd be better for you to be on the road with God, following after him. Are you stuck in one place and never getting anywhere because you refuse to trust his leading? Maybe you're like the young brother that walked into the airport. He walked into the airport, saw the time. He started running. He was in a hurry to catch an airplane, running, huffing and puffing, trying to reach the gate when he passed a guy who was dressed in a nice uniform. The man said, Uh, The the man reached out and grabbed the breathless man and said, where are you in a hurry to, young brother? That's the name that we'll call him for the time being, young brother. Where are you in a hurry to, young brother? (laughs) The man said, come on, bro, I'm late for my plane. You're going to make me miss my flight. I keep on talking to you and wasting time with you. As he explained what flight he was hurrying to, the man in the uniform interrupted him and said, There's no need to worry, young brother. (laughs) I'm piloting that plane. (laughs) Hearing these words immediately put the young brother at ease. Saints, if the pilot is calm, you can be too. Amen? Amen. Young brother. (laughs) Young sister. Keep calm and trust the pilot. The disciples had to learn a similar lesson when they were in the sea storm and anxiety took over. Many of us know this story. They were in the middle of the sea storm. They thought they were going to die. And even worse than that, they believed that Jesus didn't care. They said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus responds to them like he does to all anxious Christians. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Don't stress yourself out about things unnecessarily. Wait on God and trust that if he's at ease, you can be too. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine the calmness in Jesus' voice as he spoke the words in verses 29 through 31? Do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Notice how Jesus contrasts the lives lives of those who do not know God with those who know him. Those who don't know him are separated from him and they have many reasons to be anxious. Those who do know God, he is telling them, then you should act like it. Are you a witness of his love? Are you a witness of his care, his amazing grace? If you are, 
then why not live like it? Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, he said this, you say again that you cannot help being anxious. Then, my dear friend, I must very solemnly ask you, what is the difference between you and the man of the world? But hold up. If we aren't supposed to seek after what the world seeks after, then what should be our main concern, saint? Jesus says the kingdom of God. <laughs> Maybe we're not worried about the kingdom of God enough. Maybe that's why we're stressing so much. In everything that we do, we should seek first the kingdom of God. Loving God and loving others. This should be our main priority. And this applies to all areas of our life. Whatever role we play. We should love all of our neighbors. Even if they live in our home. Amen. <laughs> if you're a spouse, if you're a parent, co-worker, enemy. If your enemy, you should be praying for. Just so many different roles. So many different hats that we wear in life. Our main priority should be seeking first the kingdom of God. But notice that Jesus didn't just tell them to stop doing something. He didn't just tell them to stop worrying. He told them to replace their worry for their life with a concern for the kingdom of God. God promises to take care of us when we do these things. If you put God's kingdom first and do not think that your life is top priority, then you will truly enjoy the blessings of God. And this is a now and later choice, saints. We seek the kingdom of God now and later. When we first come to God, we seek the kingdom and every day when we continue to come to God, we seek the kingdom. Until the day that we are in the fullness of the kingdom. Amen? amen. Let all the kingdom people say amen to that point right there. Amen. Point number two, God desires for Christians to trust him with their lives. But hold on, Jesus is not done with us yet. Verses 32 through 34. Because that sounded good, right? That sounded good and we could just stop right there. He digs deeper. He digs deeper into our lack of faith. And this is really going to press us to have more faith. Verses 32 through 34. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh, he's digging deeper, isn't he? If you haven't figured it out yet, Jesus truly wants them and wants us to live an anxiety-free life. But how can this be done? He starts giving us ways to apply his word. The first way is by knowing the heart of God. Notice how Jesus addresses them for what they are. Little. Small and insignificant to the world. But not to the heavenly father. Amen. Amen. And why is that? Because they are his flock. They are his sheep. 
They belong to him. He loves them like a shepherd loves his sheep. But even more than that, because he laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus wants them to know that on top of the sacrificial love that he has for them, he also desires to give them a kingdom. It brings pleasure to God's heart when, we, when he shares his kingdom with us. You ever notice that a baby doesn't worry all day long about where they'll, if they'll have a place to sleep? Shiloh's never worried about that. A little baby girl that loves to make so much noise, and I believe she was the baby that was tapping on that window back there. She never worries about, will she have a place to sleep? Babies don't worry about their next meal. It doesn't even cross their mind. They just believe that they will be taken care of. In the same way, we as Christians should trust our Heavenly Father to supply what is best for us. And even more, that God wants to give us what we need. He wants, it pleases him to take care of us. <laughs> Some days it's not such an easy day for parents. Amen? Some of the times it doesn't always bring us pleasure to take care of these kids that we love so much. I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody. I mean... If y'all are the perfect parents, then God bless you. Y'all going to have to teach me, teach some of us how to be perfect parents. But sometimes it's not always pleasing. But it pleases God to take care of us. And we will overcome anxiety when we believe it. Next, we overcome anxiety when we follow the will of God. When we're stressing out, do we go to his word? Do we go to him in prayer? Do we try to figure out, not our present situation so much, but do we try to figure out our present situation in context in light of what his word says? Or do we go to podcasts? Do we go to our best friends, social media, everyone else but God? Notice that it is God's will that we be generous towards others. And this is major, y'all. This is the major. This is a major key to overcoming anxiety. Being generous towards others. Being generous means that you first have to have something to give in order for you to be generous with it. Amen? Right. <laughs> you have to have something you can be generous with. So that's the first step. <laughs> what is God giving you? And in whatever you have plenty of, Whatever you have way more than you need, then God commands us to give to those who don't. Luke 16, 9 through 11, which we will get to eventually. Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Have we been faithful with, God, with what God has given us? Because we keep stressing out and complaining about what we don't have. 
Are we faithful and generous with what we do have? Maybe some of the reasons that Christians walk around believing God won't supply their needs is because they won't do the same for others. Maybe they're not generous people and therefore they struggle to believe that others will be generous towards them. Generous Christians give to others because they know how much they've been given. Amen? Amen. And this isn't just being generous in giving material things. It's about being generous with your life. I think some of us would rather just give the material things, the, 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 the monetary things. Stay away from my life. Stay away from my pleasure. Stay away from my leisure time. I'll give you money. I'll write you a check. <laughs> Stay away from my precious personal time. God is telling us to be generous with all things. Your love. Your bearing with others' weaknesses. Be generous with patience. Be generous with your love, your, your prayer time your personal time, your leisure, your relaxation time, your self-care time. Giving up of yourself for others like Christ did. You see, generous Christians are not anxious Christians. They don't worry themselves with the cares of this world. They worry themselves with the cares of others. They are Christ-centered, others-focused, kingdom-minded, rather than self-absorbed. Kingdom-minded Christians overcome anxiety because they keep their minds on God. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Perfect peace. Shalom, wholeness, because he trusts in you. And as we continue to grow as a church, we will be wise to remember these things. Because as we grow and start to have to make changes, anxiety will come knocking at our front door. Anxiety already is coming knocking at our front door. Pray for one another. Pray for yourself that God would guard you against giving in to anxiety. Lastly, we overcome anxiety when we truly value Christ as our treasure. Remember, God loves us and cares for us. He finds pleasure in blessing us and when we bless others. Therefore, when we give ourselves to be used by God, we find out that we gain more and more of the greatest treasure. Amen. We exchange the lesser for the greater. For the Christian, this is everything. To the one who is of the world, Christ means nothing. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My question for you, what do you truly treasure? Where is your heart, Christian? 
Is it in your life? Food, clothing, cares of this world? Or do you value Christ above all of these things? Because here's the truth. If you value Christ as your treasure, you will receive these things as well. That's what Jesus promises us. Amen. Even more, if Christ is your treasure, then even if you don't have those things, you're going to be okay. You will be content with what you have. You won't be anxious over not having what others have. You will be totally satisfied in Christ. Or to use a biblical phrasing, if you have the greatest heavenly treasure, then how much less will you value worldly treasures? If you have a kingdom, then how much less will you, will, will having that dream house matter? If you have true spiritual food and drink, then how much less will you worry about your next meal? If you have Christ, then what could matter more than him? Even if you die and depart from this world, how much more should you value the next one, Christian? This brings us to our third and final point, point number three. God desires to give Christians more than they can imagine. <laughs> and that's a prosperity message, y'all, but it comes from the Bible. <laughs> I think some of us Christians are afraid of the success and the prosperity that the Bible promises us. The true riches that the Bible talks about. As we conclude, look at the difference between the worrier and the warrior. The worrier behaves like a worldly man, a natural man, an unbeliever. They live as if God doesn't care for them, as if God neglects them, as if God isn't the perfect parent, as if God doesn't want to bless them. But the warrior, his life preaches sermons. Amen. His faith tells everyone around him, that he is loved and well taken care of, yeah. even in times of lack. Amen. That's how he's able to take care of others before himself, because he knows that God will take care of him. Yeah. The same way that Jesus asked the disciples, give me what you have so I can feed the crowd of 5,000. Give me what you have. And they gave him what they had. And how did that story end? After everyone in the crowd was fed, it says that they picked up baskets of food. God supplied for them after they supplied for others. The Worrier is anxious about food, clothing, the cares of this world. They're, they're consumed with worries that keep them up all night and then stressed out during the day. Some of y'all know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. They can't see how anxiety ruins their life. And then whenever they do see it, they start to worry about all of their worrying. Again, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The warrior sometimes acts just like the warrior. But the warrior overcomes their anxiety. They don't live one life one month or one week at a time. 
They live life and seek the kingdom one day at a time. And really, it's one moment at a time. Amen? We go from moment to moment by God's grace. But here's their secret, the warrior's secret. The warrior overcomes anxiety by placing their faith in the greatest overcomer of all time. They know that they are weak, but with their Savior, they have the victory. Amen. Amen. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see how crippled and broken Christians become when anxiety takes over their life. It hurts me whenever anxiety takes over my life at times. And I got to go to the Lord broken. Lord, forgive me for having faith in the wrong things. Forgive me for not placing my faith in you. We see wasted potential and opportunities, ruined homes, faith destroyed, lives messed up over anxiety consuming people. And we should be sick of it. We should be sick and tired of being sick and tired of the same thing. In the church, in our own lives, God desires for Christians to be warriors, not warriors. If Christ gives us grace to overcome sin and death, then how much more worry and anxiety? By God's grace, we can go to war against and overcome anxiety because Christ warred against and overcame something greater than all the things that we're worrying about. There's nothing that you can stress about that is greater than what Christ overcame. But first, we need to realize that God does not desire for us to be anxious. Next, we must believe that God desires for us to trust him with our lives. And finally, we need to trust that God desires to give you more than you can imagine. If only you would trust him. Saints, I hope that we can make the decision to place our faith, even those of us with little faith. I hope we place our faith in Christ and refuse to be warriors. I pray that we become warriors for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Let us pray.